National College basketball correspondent Messi Heydrich joins Natalie Hevern to discuss must-watch conference games in the Big East Conference USA, Atlantic 10, and West Coast Conference. Lockdown Women's Basketball starts now. You are Locked On Women's Basketball. Your daily podcast on women's basketball. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Welcome. You are Locked On Women's Basketball. I'm Natalie Heverin, and I'm a features writer and the Atlantic 10 beat reporter for the next. Thank you for making Locked On Women's Basketball your first listen every day. And remember, Locked On Women's Basketball is free and available on all platforms, including YouTube. Today's episode is brought to you by Bet Online. Bet Online has you covered this season with more props, odds, and lines than ever before. Bet Online, where the game starts. On today's show, we're going to discuss much what must watch conference games in four mid-major conferences, as well as what transfers will be looking to make an impact in these conferences this season. Hello and happy Friday. Joining me today is National College basketball correspondent Missy Heydrich. Starting off, Missy, what Big East games are you looking forward to? Well, hi, Natalie. I think there is so much to um, look at when we start thinking about some of our mid-majors. And I just want to kind of give everybody a global perspective about thinking about some of these conference schedules because everyone's going to say, well, all these mid-majors, they've got tough non-cons, they're going to play everyone. And you're absolutely right. So we know that college basketball kicks off at the end of October, early November. Actually, everybody's having practice now. I think Mm -hmm. the one thing we have to remember about mid-majors is this, is that the majority of them and their coaches, they kind of classify their season in three buckets, okay? It's going to be your non-conference schedule, which is going to help them with their RPIs and their net rankings. Now that that's really what the decisive factor is in NCAA selection for the selection committee is that net ranking. But the non-con is where they kind of get their feet wet. That's where they're going to be tested. Their conference season is where they have to dial in because that's where you're going to be able to make some headway. That's where you can increase and hope that you can raise the level of your league for their own RPI, the league's net ranking, so that helps you down the road. Then the third bucket is the postseason conference tournament because that's your automatic qualifier. So the majority of the time in the mid-major league, so to speak, and there's going to be a lot of coaches out there that are going to tell you, I don't like that, but you know what? It is what it is. It's how we've got power five and we've kind of got everybody else. So we have to look at it that way. But when you go to those three buckets, non-con conference and the conference tournament in that postseason one bid league, that's really it. They're all fighting for that automatic. Then you have to put yourself at the mercy of the selection committee in the hope that what you did in your non-con and what you did in your conference season really allows you to get into the NCAA tournament. The majority of the time, these are going to be one bid leagues. And so that's where everybody's focused. If I can get the automatic, then everything else is a non-factor. But that's only going to be one team. So everybody else is fighting in there to see if they can't elevate themselves moving forward and then thinking about what that schedule looks like. So we know that for all these teams we're going to talk about here today, a lot of them have great non-conference matchups that they're going to have in October, November, or excuse me, November, December, even a couple in January, just kind of intermixed throughout there. But the conference schedule is where they've got to have their focus and they've got to get their teams dialed in. 
So when we talk about the big east, that's where we're starting, right? So mm -hmm. the big east, okay, good. Yes. Okay, I had on my list. <laughs> when we talk about the big east, we got to remember this is 11 teams. Last year, 21 22, only six of the 11 were above 500 in league play. The big dog in this is UConn, and that's what everybody's going to talk about, and that's going to be the circle on a lot of people's calendars. But we also have to remember this is going to be a very different UConn squad because they don't have Paige Beckers on there uh, available this year. She's out with the ACL. They've got to make some changes. They're going to. We don't know what we're going to get out of UConn. A lot of people are going to rank them probably in the top ten just because it's UConn. They got themselves back to the Final Four. We saw what they were able to do last year. But I'm not convinced, and I, I wasn't convinced last year because of what they had lost. And then Paige Beckers goes down last year. She misses, what, two, almost eight weeks plus of the season. We were really sure what that was going to look like. So we've got to kind of take UConn out of this, but knowing that they are going to be one of the big matchups when you talk about the Big East. The other teams to keep an eye on, I would say Creighton. They were in the Elite Eight in 2022. They ended number 23 in the national final national polls. Jim Flannery's doing a great job there of getting talent from the Midwest into his program in Omaha where they can run his system. They play hard. They're going to defend. They'll get up and down if they have to. But I really like what they're doing. They've got their leading score back. They open November 25th. Their very first Big East game is at Xavier. So you've got to keep an eye on how this Creighton team kind of makes the transition from being in the national spotlight last year to this year. I think that's incredibly important. And then they go on the road Friday, December 2nd at Villanova. And Villanova is another team, 24-9 and last year. They were in the NCAA tournament. They lost in the second round to Michigan. Maddie Segrist, the Big East player of the year, she is back using that super senior and that extra year of eligibility. That is makes Villanova, I think, a handful. So anytime you see Villanova on your list as it relates to a Big East game, you got to be ready to go. One of those, I think, at the end of December, the 28th, is Villanova at Marquette. I think this is a Marquette team that's kind of still trying to figure out who they are. They were in the WNIT last year. They've got to replace their top two scores, but they finished 23 and 11, and they can build off of that. And then why are some of these games your must-watch games? What do you, what makes you want to circle them and, and write them down in your calendar? Well, I think the biggest factor is you have to see how a team is going to respond on the road. Um, and we also know, and this is just kind of the way of the world in conference play, you've got to hold home court and you got to steal a couple on the road. So that goes back to the other kind of the flip side and, and kind of the other side of the coin is, is that, well, wait a minute, you're assuming someone's going to beat me at home. Well, it's going to happen. There are going to be people who are going to lose games at home. But are those going to be the decisive ones? And they can't be bad losses. You can't have someone come in who you should beat and beat you on your home court. But I like the fact that some of these top teams in the Big East are going to challenge UConn, that they're going to go on the road. And I don't think that they're going to be intimidated by that environment. So that's going to be incredibly important. We go flip to the calendar to 2023, early January. We've got DePaul at Connecticut. Now, DePaul was 22-11 and 11 last year. They lost to Dayton in the first round of the tournament. They've got sophomore Sensatia and Nisa Morrow back. She had a fantastic year last year. Flew completely under the radar in recruiting, and that was all kind of a result of COVID and of the pandemic. Mm -hmm. She's from that area. She ends up at DePaul and has a sensational freshman year. 
but what can what's that carryover? And now what did they learn? What have they been able to add to their roster to give them some beat? And I think that's important. You move down into February, DePaul at Creighton again. Big time team with some experience going on the road to another very veteran squad at Creighton. Creighton at Connecticut, Connecticut at Villanova towards mid-February. I like Creighton at Marquette towards the end of February, February 22nd. The reason I circle those games is I think those are the kinds of ones that can have an impact on who's going to win the outright regular season Big East title. And once you get into February, not only are we jockeying for that regular season title, but you're jockeying for um, you're jacking for the, the seeding for your mm-hmm. postseason tournament. And that, again, all goes back. If we're in a one-bid, Big East may be a little bit different than others, but if we're talking one-bid, everybody's vying for that conference title in the tournament. And then pivoting a little bit, what Conference USA games do you have on your calendar? Um, a conference that I think a lot fewer people are watching. Um, so if they do decide to tune into those games, what should they be keeping an eye out for? Well, I would keep out for a couple teams. You had Charlotte, who won both the regular season and the tourney title last year. This is a group they've got fifth-year senior in Michaela Boykin. She was their second-leading scorer last year. She returns. They have had to have some replacements. They're going to look a little bit different than last year. But I like how hard and and this Charlotte team just plays hard. You're going to see really good basketball in Conference USA. Middle Tennessee State, they were second last year in this league. They were 27-8. and They've got their top two scores back. And as we were just talking about earlier, how important it is to hold home court, 16-1 and one last year at home over the course of the season. They went 4-1 and one in the WNIT postseason tournament. The thing about the WNIT, and we find this with a lot of our mid-major programs, is, is that when they can get into postseason, maybe make a run in the WNIT, that sets them up. It gives them a little bit of taste of success. It gets you more games, more time in the gym, and that's what these coaches are looking for. I think that a team like Middle Tennessee State takes that and they can catapult themselves. They're looking for an NCAA bid this year. And another team that I've circled is the UTSA, University of Texas San Antonio. This is Karen Aston's second year now at UTSA. She had been the head coach at the University of Texas. Um, She's building something there at San Antonio. They've got a really great environment. I think it's a fantastic place for her. She's becoming a place where transfers want to come. We will talk about that a little bit later. But I like some of those games with UTSA, including at Middle Tennessee State on Thursday, January 2nd. But the UAB at Charlotte, Charlotte will have their first Conference USA game before the first of the year. They will play at the end of December, December 19th. So I kind of circle all of those. And especially when you get to the end, again, it's going to be about seeding for their conference Mm -hmm. tournament. And coming up next, we'll talk about what Atlantic 10 and West Coast Conference games you should be circling on your calendar. BetOnline.net is the fastest and easiest way to check in on all of your betting needs and even your women's basketball betting needs. I'm personally not somebody that bets on sports, but I love that BetOnline.net offers these options for the WNBA as well as college basketball and the FIBA World Cup throughout the WNBA season and the WNBA playoffs. And now in the FIBA World Cup, BetOnline is making it easy to place a bet with just a couple of clicks. And that will hold true as we continue towards the college basketball season in just a little over five weeks now. Um, from women's basketball to Major League Baseball, the NFL, NBA, and NHL, Bet Online has got you covered for odds, lines, and games. 
Head to Bet Online today or use your mobile device to learn more about the action happening today. Bet Online, where the game starts. So, Missy, we're, we're moving on uh, more into my territory. I've got some of the games that I know I want to tune in for. What A-10 games are you looking forward to? Well, I think this is an incredibly competitive conference, and it really has been year in and year out. You look at the, the – it was a battle last season between Dayton and Rhode Island at the top of the league. Uh, Dayton with the regular season championship last year, Rhode Island finished second, but it's a Dayton Flyer squad that's going to look incredibly different than they did a year ago. Um, when they made that run in the NCAA tournament, really turned some heads. They lost a ton and they're going to have to kind of retool themselves, reinvent themselves a little bit. But with that said, um, I think it's incredibly interesting with some new head coaches in this league. Um, and actually, they start regular season conference play right before the first of the year. Mm -hmm. The very first game is Wednesday, December 28th, and that is with not only two new head coaches in the Atlantic 10, but a new member in the league, and that is Loyola Chicago, who's come over from the Missouri Valley. So you've got Loyola Chicago at St. Louis. St. Louis with a new head coach. They've completely retooled their roster as well. They've got nine new players. So I think it's really interesting to watch some of that whether these are necessarily programs that are going to make a big rush to the top of the, the upper half of the league right away, hard to tell, but they are building something and that's what they're looking for. They're kind of a, in a rebuild at both of those institutions. And I look for them to be competitive over the course of time. I think once you get into 2023, right out of the gate, New Year's Day, Dayton at George Mason, that is Dayton's first um regular season conference game. And I think that's going to open some eyes. They not only are going to be challenged in their non-conference schedule, but I think you got to look and say, okay, how do they respond? They got to go on the road to start conference play. What is this new look Dayton team going to be like? And will they continue to challenge for that top spot in the league? And then, you know, who are some of either your players to watch or reasons why these are your must watch games? Um, especially a lot of people, um, you know, George Mason has finished second to last and then last um, twice in a row. So now that's three years kind of at the bottom of the A-10. Uh, why did you have them uh, paired with Dayton as one of your games to watch? Well, I think it's kind of one of those ones that can creep up on you. So if I'm Dayton and I know, okay, I've, I've, they're going to be going through the next couple, you know, practice and their, their non-conference schedule, and then you dive into your first game of the 22-23 regular season for the A-10 is on the road at George Mason. You can't overlook anybody. So those can be one of those games that can pop up. And again, you get beat by someone maybe you shouldn't have. So that's how I think that's really important for Dayton is how strong they come out to start. But you also got to look at a couple of the other teams, I think, that are going to be wanting to position themselves at the top of this league. First and foremost, it's UMass. They had the majority of their core back from last year. They got some big wins along the way. They made a lot of noise as it was the mid-major top 25. They were always in there, always part of that conversation. And I think they were right on the cusp, as it looked like, for with the NCAA tournament as well. So I think that's a team that they're going to strike a chord with folks. Um, and you've got to be aware of where they are. They start their A-10 play on actually New Year's Eve. They are at home against St. Bonaventure. Once you move into January, I like George Washington at George Mason. Now, we talk about George Mason again because you look at those are two second-year head coaches at GW and George Mason. So these are rebuilding projects. We know that. 
a lot of rebuilding going on in the A-10, but I think it's important. And then think about a team like VCU. You know, they were the 2021 A-10 champs. Now, they weren't necessarily part of the conversation as much last year, but you've got to think that doesn't, is it a dip or is it getting themselves back up the hump a little bit, which I think could very well happen for VCU. They go on the road at UMass Thursday, the 26th. You get into February and you're going to see St. Joe at Davidson. These are games I know that you have had circled and just interesting matchups all along the way and people positioning themselves. Not only can I win a conference title, which gives you a whole lot of cred, it really helps with recruiting, it positions your program in the right place, but I'm also working on my CD and see if we can't pop up and maybe surprise some people and get that automatic bid. And then shifting completely to the other side of the country, what West Coast Conference games are on your calendar? Yeah, we can't forget our friends out on the West Coast. You know, we usually talk about the Pac-12 and that's kind of it. But you got to, you know, we've got to be thinking about the Big West and the, the West Coast, the WCC. Um, you know, those are all leagues that have very strong women's basketball. I think the thing that has always stands out with the West Coast Conference is you've got BYU and you've got Gonzaga. Now, that's going to look different a year from now because BYU is not going to be in the West Coast Conference. So this is really their last go around here. But BYU also looks incredibly different than they did a year ago. Jeff Judkins, 21 years as the head coach of BYU, he retires. They have an entirely new coaching staff. Amber Whiting takes over. She's the seventh coach in school history at BYU. Comes uh, from a decorated high school uh, coaching resume, but has not had a lot of experience at the college level. Now, BYU is an interesting beast simply because they have the ability to draw players not only from that part of the country, but internationally. We see a lot of different names and a lot of different faces on that roster. The one thing that's very interesting, however, and we'll talk about that in a minute when we talk about transfers, but I like Laura Gustin. She is back, the 6-1 forward. I think she's got to lead the way for BYU. This, not only did you have BYU and Gonzaga, the NCAA tournament. You also had San Diego, Portland, and San Francisco. They played the WNIT. St. Mary's won the WBI tournament last year. They ended up finishing 18 and 15 because they got on a roll there. That was great experience, a real kind of bump, I think, for all of those programs to be in some kind of postseason play to get themselves some more opportunities. Now, Gonzaga, they were 27-7 and seven last year. They've got a lot of players back on their roster. I really like the system that they run there. So when you think about games and we think about what you want to tune in and what we're going to keep our eye on, most of the time it's going to be, all right, when does BYU and Gonzaga play? Well, lucky for everybody, right before the holidays, on Saturday, December 17th, BYU is at Gonzaga. So that's going to be the test. That's, I think, going to open a lot of eyes about both of those teams and really what their their trajectory in the West Coast Conference regular season is going to look like. St. Mary's at Pacific. The reason I mentioned St. Mary's is because they're coming off that role of winning the postseason WBI tournament. They're very young, but they also have some experience on their roster. They were young last year, and so that does help them. But they've got a player, junior Taylor Dalton, She's a member of the New Zealand 3v3 national team. So again, you don't think about this as much. We don't hear it when we think about mid-majors, but there are an awful lot of incredibly talented players top to bottom on these rosters. And you can see some of them out in that West Coast. 
in mid-January, Gonzaga goes to Portland. Gonzaga goes to St. Mary's on January 21st. And then you kind of got to go all the way towards the end. So the very first game of the of the regular season, WAC, WCC, and then the very last day of the WCC, Gonzaga at BYU, Saturday, February 25th, and then they head to the West Coast Conference Tournament. So those would be the bookends, would be the BYU-Gonzaga matchups. Yeah, that sounds like an exciting conference slate uh, from beginning to end. Absolutely. Uh, Coming up next, we'll chat about some impactful transfers in these four conferences. So we've talked about a lot of the exciting games that we're both going to have to pencil into our calendar as soon as we finish recording, but who do you see making an impact in the Big East as a transfer this season? You know, I think the Big East is incredibly interesting. And, you know, it, it, it's, again, one of those um, conferences that just can be loaded with talent. Sometimes talent that is, you know, doesn't necessarily get a ton of publicity. Uh, we saw that last year with DePaul and Nisa Morrow having just an outstanding freshman campaign. And then all of a sudden people started paying attention. And it was like hard not to because she was really one of the very best in the nation. Um, I think I really like two of the transfers that DePaul brings in to help her this year. Uh, Doug Bruno has always done a great job of kind of being a kind of being a home for student athletes who might want to get back closer to the Chicago area or Illinois or whatever that looks like. So they've snagged two transfers that I really like. The first one is Anaya Peoples. She comes from Notre Dame. She's an Illinois native. She's going to have two years of eligibility. She had a fantastic freshman year at Notre Dame, kind of a breakout score at that off-guard shooting guard position. She's going to bring that experience from Notre Dame and her athleticism and scoring power. Again, a really nice compliment to Morrow. And the second is Jade Edwards. She was a three-time All-Patriot selection and at American University. She's also a Chicago native. So to be to have those young ladies come home, I think is huge. And the other one I like, we didn't talk a lot about Marquette a little bit earlier, but they've got a guard in Nia Clark. She spent three years at Xavier. She was actually their leading scorer last year. And I think that's the kind of player with experience, um, veteran game time. She understands. She knows what it's like to go on the road. She knows what it's like to be in hostile environments. And there's going to be a lot of those in the Big East. I think she can help this Marquette squad. And then pivoting to Conference USA, who transferred in? Who's looking to make an impact? Well, we mentioned it earlier. We were talking about Karen Aston, and I really do think she's becoming a destination for people that are looking maybe to get closer to home. That's the beauty of Texas. There are so many young people that in all sports, it doesn't matter. You can start at football all the way to volleyball, soccer, men's and women's basketball. The amount of Division One talent that comes out of the state of Texas is huge. And so sometimes they go, they don't always like where they are. We know the transfer portal is a constant moving target. And she, I think, got two really good transfers. And they both come from USC. Jordan Jenkins, she was the Pac-12 most improved player last year at that guard position. I think that's an impact type player. And then she also got Kira White, who had spent a couple years at USC. Again, a Texas native. Players that are looking to find more playing time, closer to home, and they can have an impact at UTSA. And also Charlotte, we mentioned them. They won both the regular season and the tournament title last year in Conference USA. They've got forward and Tracy Houston. She comes from Pitt. So that's an ACC transfer coming into Conference USA. She was a four-star recruit out of high school. 
And now she's going to be at Charlotte. And I think that's another kind of impact player that you'll see make a big, big splash early. And then to the Atlantic 10, 15 teams, a lot of transfers to choose from. Who stands out for you? Well, I think it's interesting because there's really hard to kind of judge. I mean, that's a lot of so many teams. There's so many people and they're coming and going. And I know you probably have as much of um, a beat on this as it relates to sort of the, you know, a lot of interconference transfers, mm -hmm. which is interesting, you know, and we might want to just kind of clarify for everybody that in back in the day, interconference transfers really frowned upon. Now with the new transfer rules and how the portal works is that people can make that move interconference and you play right away. You are eligible. There's no sitting out. It creates some interesting matchups. It creates some interesting rivalries, I think. Um, but one that a couple that, to look at, number one, you've mentioned to me as well, I think Layla Fair, she goes from St. Joe to UMass. I think that would be an interesting matchup to see whether or not how much time she gets on the floor for UMass and what what kind of was the precipitate of her making that move and making that transfer. Rhode Island's got three transfers that they bring in, Emma Squires, Madison Haddix-Covington, and then Tenen Magasa. I think those are players that hopefully, you know, you look at Rhode Island, they had a great year last year. They're looking to add some depth, but they know they've got to replace. Can these three be the answer? And I thought it was also interesting, I looked at Loyola Chicago, kind of taking a peek at their roster, mm -hmm. new coach, new league, coming into the Atlantic 10, sort of what does that look like for them? Well, they've got two sisters that are coming, Emma and Sophia Nolan. They come from St. John's, and so they're coming from a Big East program into the Atlantic 10. Does their game transfer, will they find more success there? Hard to tell, but I think it's interesting, and we know that for new coaches coming into programs, if they're in a rebuild, the portal is a place where you can find immediate help. The question is, will these two young ladies be that or not? We don't know yet. And then last but not least, who should I be staying up late? Uh, I live on the East Coast uh, to watch play out West in the well, WCC. I think that's a, it's a great question. And, you know, again, we, we don't necessarily know how, um, how some of these transfers are going to pan out. Um, you know, we hope that as they have found a new home, whether it's with years of eligibility left or if they're using their super senior or if they're a grad transfer, whatever that looks like, um, that they stay healthy and that they get to play in their last season of basketball. But we do have to talk about the fact that this BYU team with their new coaching staff, a completely new look, they've had 21 years of Jeff Judkins and it's going to be very different. They lost their very what I think is their best player, Shaley Gonzalez. She transferred out of BYU and now landed at Texas with Vic Schaefer. I think that was a huge get for him. I think she's going to be a big compliment to Texas. But that is a lot to replace if you're BYU. So it isn't necessarily somebody coming in, but it is someone that has left. And how do you make how do you make that change? Who's going to step up? Who's going to count for her scoring and her rebounding? She's just a very dynamic player and really was in the WCC, but I think she's going to have just as much of an impact at Texas because of her experience, really high basketball IQ. You get that from a player like Gonzalez. And now we go to Gonzaga. They also, I think, went the direction of experience, wanting some players that could be impactful from the get-go, and that's Utah's uh, Brianna Maxwell. She's a 6'1 grad transfer guard a two-time Pac-12 honorable mention at Utah. She was on the all-freshman team in the Pac-12. I think, again, experience, 
someone that can add some scoring punch and complement what returns, but also helps to replace some of the things that have left for Gonzaga. They know everybody every year is going to have holes to fill. The transfer portal is a place of which coaches can go and find, hopefully, immediate help. Doesn't always pan out that way. What the hope is is that I think a lot of these coaches look at their recruiting and they say, hey, I'm not going to give out all of my scholarships. We're not going to commit and sign everybody in that early signing period in the fall. We're going to wait until after the season. We're going to look at the portal, and we're going to see if something fits our system and our culture. I think that's what Gonzaga did when they went and got Maxwell from Utah. Thank you so much for joining me today, Missy. Where can the people find you on Twitter? Well, they can find me right there at Missy Heydrich on Twitter. Um, I'm also at the next, so excited and looking forward. I will be on this podcast um, pretty much every Monday going forward now as we talk about college basketball and all things women's basketball. And uh, you can also find me on ESPN Plus doing games all across the country and looking forward to that. Um, it's going to be an exciting year of college basketball, and I just can't wait for it to get started. Me too. I have my countdown going. Uh, so have a great weekend, everyone, and thank you for making Locked On Women's Basketball your first listen every day. Join Missy on Monday for more on college basketball. And now make your second listen, Locked On Fantasy Basketball. Josh Lloyd hosts the number one daily fantasy basketball show on the planet. It's free and available wherever you get your podcasts.